Welcome, Blood Brothers and Sanguine Sisters, to Deeply Discussing Dexter. I am your host, Dale Maxfield. I'm joined by Aaron Caldwell. Hello. Brooke Merritt. Hello. And Zach Ruland. <laughs> Motorcycles! <laughs> Today, we are discussing Season 2, Episode 2, Waiting to Exhale. Um, I guess that's the title. Yeah, Waiting to Exhale. So, um... This is uh, picking up from the last episode. Dexter is still trying to get his groove back. He has not been able to kill anyone since he killed Brian at the end of the last season. And uh, that's part of the, the storyline of this episode. We do have some subplots now. Uh, Deb's readjustment is kind of happening independent of that. There's some more stuff with Pascal and LaGuerta. And uh, we meet Frank Lundy for the first time. Uh, what'd you guys think of this episode overall? I think it was a pretty solid episode to follow up the uh, season opener episode. Uh, this is the introduction of Lundy, uh, who I'm a big fan of. Mm-hmm. So I was very excited when he came onto the screen. I was like, yeah, I'm ready for some Lundy action. So I liked it. Yeah, I like this one as well. This was a good episode. Um, you know, it doesn't hold up to season two, episode one, but it's it's right on par doing it just right, going to the next next level from the premiere, so I, I was happy with this one. I actually thought this one was a little bit better than the first one, in that it, it sets up a lot of what we're going to be looking at the rest of the season. Like, it, it, it builds the story. Yeah, I think it's a good one uh, as well. Um, the introduction of Lundy is important for the rest of the the, uh, the rest of this uh, season and uh, some of the subplots here are very minimal but it is starting to get back into you know having sort of a main Dexter and the killer plot with some other smaller plots going on as well uh, the Dexter plot starts out with him mourning that he has both failed to kill and let a man escape and has not killed anyone since he killed Brian in Season 1, Episode 12. Dexter is awakened by a news report on the garbage bags found with his victims. He walks up to a crime scene. Masuka tells him that the media is calling him the Bay Harbor Butcher with eight confirmed kills so far. Dexter thinks the name is Lurid. Uh, Angel hopes it turns out to be the ice truck killer's victims and not a new serial killer. And the victim is the mother of the kid that Chino killed who is going to testify against him. Which... Minor plot hole. Um, so yeah, Chino's a asshole, and Sherry goes out and he kills people that are uh, witnesses to to crimes that he's committed. But they eliminated this woman as being a potential witness because of her drug problems. So not cool, dude. Um, well, it's one of those like send a message so nobody else does anything. Um. This scene, one of my favorite things about it is he did let Chino get away at the end of this last one since they're going back to the neighborhood that he knows that Chino kind of patrols. He puts on this hat and then like hunkers down and walks to the crime scene. I love that. Yeah, I mean, he he was seen by by little Chino, so... You know, you got to watch out if this guy's going to be around or whatever. Like, this is a really cool moment for the show overall in that Dexter's never had this happen 
we, at least the audience, have never seen Dexter lose a kill before, let alone one that he has to still continuously try to follow or, like, you know, be involved with. And I think, Aaron, you're right. That is really funny that he, like, I, yeah, I didn't even really sense the, the, the cat. He was, like, a, a in disguise or whatever. Yeah. Well, and, and let alone the guy that he let, he accidentally let go of, uh, we learn in this episode, is six foot nine. So, I don't know. Weep. That guy must be really spry to have, like, gotten all the way out of the kill room while Dexter's back was turned. But, uh, he's fast. He yeah, must that's be not like, the guy you want to piss off. He's, like, dokes fast. <laughs> no one's <dokes> fast. <laughs> he probably didn't run off down the middle of the road, though, after he got off the kill table. <laughs> uh, Dexter sees the little girl of the victim being carried off and flashes back to his own history. He says, if I killed Chino last night, the little girl's mother would still be alive. Dexter goes looking for Chino when a car begins following him. Though Dexter thinks it's Chino, it's actually Dokes. Dokes dares Dexter to hit him. Deb gets busted drinking OJ out of the bottle and leaves it sitting out without a cap. Dexter suggests several apartments, but Deb's not interested. She heads into work. Dexter gets a call from Aster. Rita has been calling around talking about Paul, and she's been yelling at Aster and Cody. Dexter shows up and tells Rita that the county will bury Paul for free and she can keep the insurance money to use as a college fund for the kids. Rita says, I didn't ask for your help or your advice. Yeah, we got some ice-cold Rita. Yeah. She is taking it to him, you know? Well, Dexter's, like, completely misreading the situation there. Well, I mean... Yeah. I want to point something out. Like, this, this season, they're all worried about what they're calling the Bay Harbor Butcher, but what kind of monster is Deb just, like, drinking right out of the jug and then leaving <laughs> the OJ out with no cap on? What kind of a monster? When I love this tension between them with her doing that, and then, you know, she comes out and says the bathroom's all yours, and he says kind of always was. I just love mm-hmm. that. <laughs> they're just driving each other nuts. Because yeah, those are two different personalities. Yeah, if it was anyone but Deb, she'd be M99 pretty much 24-7. Well, and he even says, I will not kill my sister. I will not kill my sister. I will not kill my sister. And it's it's so great because, like, every sibling feels that way at some point. I will not kill my sister. I will not kill my sister. The difference is, though, is that he actually has killed a lot of people, so it is kind of in question whether or not he would kill her for leaving the cap off the OJ. Mm-hmm. Justifiable homicide. Uh, little Chino walks into Miami Metro with his lawyer, Angel and LaGuerta, interrogate Chino. Deb sees Chino on a monitor and says, Holy fuck, he's big. Chino has an alibi and Pascal sets him loose. Dexter tries not to smile. Masuka shows Dexter underwater footage of the body bags. Dexter doesn't know how he'll dispose of Chino since his dumping ground is no longer a valid spot. All right, so why did Deb have to say "Holy fuck, he's big" after the last episode? She called him like a meat bus. Yeah. Like she's seen this guy before. I th- I think it's like it's a it's a continuity problem. Like that, it's two different writers, and they just like they wanted Deb to say something silly in both cases, so she does. Um, well, meat bus wins. <laughs> "Holy fuck, he's big" is not original at all. Yeah. Um, then Dexter goes and checks out a drink gun and some kind of harpoon syringe to take down Chino 
Um, I guess the police just, like, let forensics guys borrow dangerous weaponry. Um, and, and of all the things, like, Dokes never questions this. <laughs> ever. Like, all of the stuff. He knows his... He rent, he doesn't rent porn, but he doesn't know he rents animal tranks. Like, yeah, I mean, he must have, like, talked the guy into not checking it out properly or something. This brings me back to a season one point. Miami Metro is the worst. They are the worst. <laughs> yes. They're so bad. The worst police force ever. Um, they might as well exist well, right along. He had a right good cover story. He had a they good cover as- story saying there was a gator that uh, <laughs> ate his puppy. Yeah. They might, But Miami Metro might as well exist right alongside the Miami-Dade police. For how effective they are, because they're not—they're—they're they're not helping at all. Uh, Dexter walks up to Chino and tries to trank him, but Chino has hidden help who knocked down Dexter. He somehow gets into a sewer. I don't, speaking of like weird, insane escapes, I don't know how Dexter's supposed to get down that, in that sewer, but okay. They took a—they did a shot of the manhole. I'm assuming he picked up the manhole with what. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm just saying there was a shot of the manhole, and I was like, "Oh, he okay. He went through a manhole. Cool. I've never gone through a manhole." We don't need science to come into this on how he would have gotten the manhole cover open. They don't consider science or. Fact. And does the other side of the harpoon have like a crowbar attachment or something? And he used that um, double duty weapon. Yeah. So being trapped in the sewer flashes him back to Dexter and Brian in the container, and Harry comes in to pick him up. This time, Brian is yelling, please don't leave me. Which, Harry, leaving a kid in there, he's like, you're damned, and just picks up the youngest one and walks out. <laughs> like, what? Who does that? Harry Morgan. Uh, yeah, he, he clearly went for the blonde and, and not the brunette. <laughs> yeah. Dexter makes it back to his apartment. Uh, Rita is waiting. She's been calling for hours. She says that Paul's funeral is in an hour and she needs him there. Um, which they have this little conversation about that and then Dexter just agrees to go get ready. Uh, Dexter, Rita, and the kids are the only ones at the funeral. Cody takes Dexter's hand and tells him not to be scared. Cody brought his nesting doll from an earlier scene at the church with him. I don't know why he has this nesting doll, but okay, sure. Uh, The priest tells Dexter he's sorry for his loss. When he walks away, Brian is sitting next to Dexter in the pew. Brian says Dexter killing him wasn't Dexter's fault. Dexter says, I need to let you go. Brian says, you think it's as simple as that? Dexter says, nothing simple. Cody says, does this mean you're my dad now? This yeah, is maybe that's... why I don't like this Cody better than the other Cody. But he said it with inflection. Like, he he did so much better. Yes. No, no he didn't. <laughs> Again, what do you want? <laughs> I just hate kids. Maybe that's the problem. I hate... They just need to get an adult to play Cody and I'll be alright. <laughs> They just have Mark Pellegrino playing for the rest of the season. <laughs> right, that would work. Like they could have like Lieutenant Dan and made him wear those socks that they just like green screen out. 
He just walks around on nubs. <laughs> um. Then later, the spray paint kid is in some underground garage. Chino shows up with his machete. He gets into an elevator, but it jams. When the doors do open, Dexter impales him on the harpoon thing. The elevator arrives at Chino's floor, empty, and it cuts to Chino's uh, uh, being carried off on a on a pallet forklift. While we're at this scene, I want to ask a question. What? Why does what's in the M ninety nine take effect? instantaneously and not this animal trank. Like, because he fights it off for a decent, like, go. But when he got hit with those M99s, he was just like, oh, God, I fall over. It was it was done. Instant. I think it was a location thing. Mm. I think injecting somebody in two times in the neck is a lot more effective than somewhere in the chest. Yeah, that that was to say. I was the location. I was like, I don't know how a warehouse affects how he's gonna go down. Guys <laughs> <laughs> can fight it off a lot longer in a warehouse. So, <laughs> yeah, I think you're right, Dale. It's, <laughs> the injection into this uh, directly into the bloodstream from the neck is gonna be much much quicker than the the chest for sure. Uh, Dexter shows Chino all the people he killed. He cuts into Chino's stitched up cheek for his blood slide. Chino says, you kill me, what do you leave behind? Dexter says, a world without you. Uh, Dexter's found a safer place to dump the body into the Gulf Stream, which will propel the body north and into the middle of the Atlantic. Rita calls and tells Dexter she needs to see him right away. She shows him Paul's shoe. Rita tells Dexter what Paul accused him of. She says she blames herself for Paul's death. She asked if Dexter attacked Paul. Dexter says he hit Paul to protect her and the kids on impulse. She asks where he got the drugs. Dexter says he stole them from the evidence locker. Rita, seeing this story change from impulse to preconception, says, how did Dexter know how to cook the right amount for Paul? She decides the reason is that Dexter's a secret drug addict. So she flat out asks him if he's an addict, and Dexter says, yes, I have an addiction. Rita's relieved. That's the first step. Rita will get him into a program. I don't remember how this plays out, but I don't like this. I don't like that that he goes along with her believing he's a drug addict. I mean, it's better than her figuring out he's a killer, but I don't know. I just don't like it. Well, we'll see how it plays out and if that changes my mind because I don't really remember. But he he is literally wearing a short sleeve shirt, and you can see that there are no track marks. He does yeah. it in his toes. Yeah, I mean, he's he's also a forensics guy and would probably know how to hide that stuff. Yeah, people shoot up in their toes. I saw a dude shoot up in, the, in his thigh right next to his uh, genitals once. So, you know, he could do it anywhere. Yeah, but she sees him naked. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and her being so... Having been with somebody who was an addict, she would know all the places to look. And she would be extra, you know, cautious about checking everything. She'd look between his toes. She's so afraid of having another ball. Well, I don't know that... You know, because he says he's an addict, I don't think they necessarily go specifically into which drug he's addicted to. Well, she knows he stole heroin from the lockup. So the initial assumption would be heroin. I don't know. I mean, 
maybe, but not necessarily. I think Rhea's thing is that she just wants him to admit that there's something wrong there, and him admitting he's an addict is good enough. For Dexter, it's I'm admitting that I'm an addict, but I'm not admitting that I'm a drug addict. I'm just not going to tell you that's not what it is. So they both feel like they're in the right on that side of things, and uh, Dexter feels like it's better for him to fake his way through uh, going to meetings than it is to potentially lose Rita over it um, or have people find out that she thinks he's a drug addict. Um, But ultimately, I mean, having the excuse I have to go to a meeting is now uh, now his valid excuse for getting out of the house, right? Instead of having to to sneak up on time. So... Yeah, and he doesn't have a lot to fake to pretend that he is getting over his addiction because he's not showing any signs of being an addict other than sneaking around. So it's an easy fix, that is true. It's an easier cover for him. It actually does help him in the long run. Mm-hmm. I stand down way, with, my, with that, yeah. In, in a way, it's him, like, him telling Rita without telling Rita. True. So... There's a uh, montage that shows Deb boxing and Dexter trying to get rid of some Chino evidence before walking past Lundy. Uh, Deb shows up while Dexter is putting his slides away, but he locked the chain. Dexter says, annoying, isn't it? Deb says she was out looking into apartments. Uh, Dexter says she doesn't have to figure that out right now. He decides to say goodbye to Brian. He weighs down the Barbie head with a bullet and drops it into the ocean. Brian suddenly jumps out of the water. Dexter says, rest in peace, and lets him sink back down. So, um, I, I enjoyed that they, they brought Brian back as a surprise ghost for this episode. Uh, before the ending, I remember the first time I watched it, I thought that Brian was going to become another Harry, and that he would just be around all the time, uh, which I thought was interesting, but that's not the case they just kind of did it for this one thing and Dexter letting go of Brian is part of him getting over all of that I was, I was agreeing with Taylor I, I liked it I'm glad they didn't bring him around but I'm glad they brought him back for just a little bit um, but it was a good way of letting go and uh, and especially uh, with the whole tie-in of the the butcher the bay butcher thing he puts the lead in the uh, in the head of the Barbie and sinks it, which is like, you know, there's, you're still... You still can't figure out a good way to really dispose of anything. <laughs> this is litter bug. <laughs> no, I was gonna say, I, I do like that they brought him back and they, you know, kind of do a little send-off. I don't like the way they did it with him jumping out of the water. It reminded me too much of the ending scene of Friday the 13th, the original. Maybe that's just me. But um, I didn't like him coming up out of the water. I thought that was a little bit hokey. Um, but I do like, you know, I liked the Barbie head with the bullet, and I liked that he closed that chapter a little bit. I just didn't like the way they did that that final scene with it. That jump was just, I don't know, it was just like some extra scare to throw onto the end of that shot, and then they immediately defuse it again. Um, I thought it was kind of sick that Dexter was walking around with that Barbie doll head on his keychain, like, for all to see. Um, 
seemed like the kind of thing that Deb wouldn't be too happy about, but... Well, I don't think Deb ever knew about the doll, so... Even so... But wouldn't you still have questions mm-hmm. about somebody carrying a Barbie head on their keychain? An adult man <laughs> with a Barbie head on his keychain? I mean, that that's indicates creepy. some yeah. real unhealthy stuff. Yeah. Yeah, like, even Rita asking him, being like, what is that supposed to represent? That's not me. <laughs> it could be. So, uh, <laughs> the first B-plot here is Deb's readjustment. Um, a woman is curt with Deb in Spanish, and a kid on a bike translates it as, you cops don't fucking do nothing. You get the point. Right, bitch? Uh, Masuka accidentally brings up the ice truck killer in front of Deb, who stalks off. Masuka, you can always count on him. And then later, Deb is mad at LaGuerta. Uh, she got into a bar fight, and LaGuerta made a case that Deb wasn't ready to be back on duty. Talked about that a little bit before. Uh, yeah, I love how she's like, thanks for the vote of no fucking confidence. Like, Yeah. Yeah, De- Deb's really giving it to her. Well, do we think that LaGuerta is really concerned about Deb, or do we think she's just doing her LaGuerta thing of just trying to push every other female down so she can get ahead? I'd say a little bit of both. Yeah, I think so. Well, I think... I think it's uh, a little bit of posturing on her part. She shows herself as concerned to everybody that'll listen. And she also sets herself in a point where if Deb does have a breakdown on the job, well, I was right. You should have listened to me. Yeah, that's true. And and, uh, Deb had a good line in the last episode that she said, uh, LaGuerta's just jealous the ice truck killer fucked me instead of her. And on some level, is LaGuerta jealous that, you know, Deb is the one who is getting all the focus about the ice truck killer because Deb was his victim? You know, and that's taking mm-hmm. the focus off of LaGuerta even more. I can see that. Yeah. Um, I also think, like, for as much as they don't uh, seem to like each other, I think Deb did win some respect from LaGuerta last season, so. There's a bit of both. Um, Deb's working out, and she hurts her hand, punching a heavy bag. A uh, man offers to help her out. As he starts unspooling tape to wrap her wrist, she gets flashbacks of being duct taped by Rudy and leaves. Dexter gets home and the door is chained again. Deb's falling apart. She said seeing the man that she loved with all the women he cut up in Lundy's briefing freaked her out. Angel and Deb are canvassing the neighborhood around Chino's. Every door refuses to ask them. Angel says, well, karmically, we're batting a thousand. There's something kind of balancing about that. Um, Deb sees a kid spray painting the police car and takes off after him. She knocks him down and straddles him, putting her gun to his neck. Angel calls for her, and she immediately stops. The kid is wet his pants. Um, I loved this. This little kid was an ass. And I loved when she pulled the gun on him. I was like, this is amazing. Yeah, I had no problem with it. <laughs> I was gonna ask, like, would you like Cody better if this happened to him? <laughs> Probably, yeah. <laughs> Instantly likable if you're threatened with a gun. Aunt Deb's gonna have to take you out. Yeah, all that uh, all that exercising pays off, you know. She's always on that treadmill. <laughs> yeah. 
the kid Deb tackled gave her enough information to arrest a bunch of Chino's gang for drugs. Angel tells Dexter that Deb pulled a gun on a kid. So he's aware of all of that. And that's about it for her this, uh, this episode. And there's a couple of things with Pascal and LaGuerta. Um, she's dealing with her fiancé on the phone. LaGuerta offers to take over uh, for her on the current case, and Pascal accepts. LaGuerta does this little, like, of course nod. Uh, and then rubs her hands together and walks off. Uh, essentially. And then uh, LaGuerta intercepts a folder with Pascal's fiance's phone records. She hints that Pascal could be in a lot of trouble if someone found out about her using police resources for personal use. And so it's another another veiled threat, another thing that she has in her back pocket for when she decides she's going to take Pascal down. Yeah, she says, this is me not saying anything. Yeah. Like, you get it? Like, I'm going to, I got your secrets, girl. You better watch out. Yeah. Because Pascal I'm says... I'm looking out for you. Yeah, Pascal says, I'd only be in trouble if someone said something. And LaGuerta says, well, this, this is me not saying anything. Like, So there's an understanding there. Yeah, that's an understanding that only two women cops of their status can have. That's, all, that's the only way it goes. Um, and then the other thing in this episode is uh, Frank Lundy. The number of bodies has led the case to be taken over by the FBI. They're sending in Frank Lundy, who dokes credits with solving the Green River and D.C. sniper cases, which I think is weird. Um, those are both real cases, and Frank Lundy has nothing to do with them. So it's weird that they took two real-life cases and gave him the credit for them, um, as opposed to just making some stuff up. Yeah, that irritated me, because I'm the true crime junkie, so I know who actually did it, so I was like, we don't need to do that, just make up names. You can make up the Bay Harbor Butcher, you can make up other names. Yeah. Well, I mean, it can be it could be the Red River and the, you know, the Casey Sniper instead. Like, it, you could make it really clear what you were talking about without really naming, you know, I mean, the, the Green River Killers, like, the most prolific serial killer in American history, and they're just like, man, this Frank Lundy guy did it that no one's ever heard of. Um, LaGuardia tries to talk Dokes into getting himself on the task force as a career move. Angel Oprah chimes in, just visualize that door of opportunity opening wide for you and walk right through it. Dokes says, Angel, if you keep it up with this woo-woo shit, I'm going to walk right through you. Best line of the episode right there. <laughs> this Oprah Angel is killing me. He he's not near as awesome as Sad Angel. Or Stabtista. Or Stabtista. <laughs> uh Lundy arrives, Dexter looks worried at him. Captain Ma- Captain Matthews introduces Lundy and says that everyone is working together to find the Bay Harbor Butcher. Lundy says that if there's enough information they can tell it isn't he says that there is enough information that they can tell that it isn't the work of the ice truck killer. Dexter's worried. Deb gets teary when they show a picture of Brian Rudy on the screen. Uh, then later, Deb arrives late and trips over a briefcase. It's Lundy's, and now it has water pouring out of it. He opens it and shows how, somehow, a thermos 
became unscrewed inside of it, and he begins to make tea. Dokes makes his move and walks up to be on the task force. Lenny says that Dokes is more of a leader than a team player, and uh, that he basically just shoots him down. And I love Lundy. Yeah. The way that he is portrayed in this is just, he's so good. It's like not necessarily reserved, but he does have, like, he's reserved a little bit, but he's just like always calm and collected and just, but just has a presence about him. And of course, there is a lot of legend about the character, you know, built up by the police force and everything. But the guy actually playing him, the actor playing him is just so good. And I just, I really enjoy watching him be on screen. Yeah. You know, you see, like, the true crime shows, and you watch these press conferences, and he is that guy. They could not have nailed that kind of character any better. He's perfectly cast, plays it perfectly. That is exactly how that character should be. I love Lundy. I'm so glad he's on now. Yeah, he's good because he, like, there's, he's not connected to anything politically, um, he knows his stuff, he knows what he's talking about, and he's completely unflappable. Um, so he just... He feels like the leader that they don't have. You know, he's who Captain Matthew should be, or who LaGuerta should have been. Um, he's just a really solid presence. Which is why he's FBI and they're Miami Metro. I was just going to say that. He's not in Miami for a reason. (laughs) (laughs) He he brings so much to this role. He's very unassuming when you look at him. But the way he carries himself, it's just completely different from everybody else in the show. And, And does such a good job of setting him apart. So, uh, this episode was directed by Marco Siga. It's his first episode of Dexter. Previously, he worked on Blink-182 and System of a Down videos, uh, Veronica Mars, and Cold Case. For Dexter, he directed nine episodes, three in Season 2, four in Season 3, and two in Season 4. And after Dexter, he directed ten episodes of The Vampire Diaries, out of 171 total episodes, and 18 episodes of The Following, which was a Kevin Bacon series where he's a uh, criminal. Huh. By the possibility, I could have been on set with Mr. Marco Siega. Yeah. I worked on The Following, a lot of the episodes of The Following, the, if a couple of the seasons. Cool. I love The Following. It's such a good show. Is it? I never watched it, but I was on it, so I'm curious. It's, it seemed like it was a good show. I watched the first, I think, season and a half. It was good. Yeah. Uh, Clyde Phillips was the writer. Uh, He previously created and wrote on Parker Lewis Can't Lose and Suddenly Susan. He was the showrunner for the first four seasons of Dexter and wrote season one, episode two, Crocodile, this episode, and one episode each for season three and season four. Uh, After Dexter, he worked on Nurse Jackie, where he was a writer and producer. So, uh, I'll kick it back to you guys. What's the best line of the episode? I've got my best line as um, Dex saying, uh, come on, don't get the shakes now. This is no time for performance anxiety. (laughs) Okay. Like, yeah. Which is not a line he says to Rita. It's a line he says to himself. It's a double meaning. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I, let, I saw. I was like, all right, Dexter, good, good one for you, buddy. All right, I'll go. Uh, I um, <laughs> I have a tie. Hard to pick between. I will not kill my sister. I will not kill my sister. I will not kill my sister. Because I loved mm-hmm. that whole play between the two of them. And mm-hmm. uh, when Deb kicks the briefcase and uh, says, "Who? What fucking asshole left this here?" And Lundy mm-hmm. says, "That special agent fucking asshole." <laughs> yeah. Mm. I had to go with Dokes uh, telling Batista to cut that woo-woo shit out because, I, oh my god, it's killing me so far. If you don't stop it with that woo-woo shit, I'm going to walk right through you. Yeah. Uh, worst line of the episode? Uh, mine was uh, Cody. New Cody, just already losing New faith Cody with everybody. New Cody's broken already? <laughs> uh, does this mean you'll be my dad now? <laughs> Same. That was mine. It's a bad line, yep. but my God. Imagine how much worse it would have been last season. Mm. Does mm. this mean you're my dad now? I mean, it was a, it was a bad <laughs> line, but it wasn't a horrible performance, too. You can't perform that line well, though. I mean, that line's so bad and so hokey, it can't be done well. Yeah. I mean, it is up there with, uh, it's all your fault, but I think it's all your fault actually can be delivered okay. It's just not by that kid. Not not by original Cody. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. right. so how about performance of the episode? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to Lundy um, for me just because he's. I mean, he doesn't do much. He's not on screen very much, but man, every time he is, I'm happy. So I know it seems weird, and I'm gonna probably give it to him a lot this season. But like, yeah, I don't know. I'm already I'm already like getting a, a boy crush on him again. <laughs> I went with Jennifer Carpenter. She was she was so good had so much more to do in this episode just watching her lose it more and more this was definitely her episode see I gave it to Rita uh, I thought Rita had a good chunk of this episode where she delivered a fine performance on uh, being conflicted about everything that was going on and confronting Dexter that scene uh, she played it really well Yeah, I think Little Chino is good. It it's really hard to play a six foot nine inch guy. Um, you can't yeah, he does that. a good job too with the coming in uh, when they like walk when they waltz in and he's like show up the CD or whatever and then like the fake thing that he does where he was there's no way he could have killed the woman because he was at a he was reading the paper it's just him <laughs> reading the paper yesterday's paper totally couldn't have done it. But yeah, you know, I, I like Lil Chino. He was good. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll do it. Uh, thanks everybody for uh, joining me uh, for this episode of Deeply Discussing Dexter. Thanks everybody out there listening, and uh, we will see you next time.